Thank you, Stacy, for leading us, uh, for all who have supported and share in the ministries of Emmanuel Kindergarten, and a joy to share in this Sunday with you together. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the children leading us. Thank you for them reminding us of the simpleness, the simpleness of faith, of the joy of stories, of the hope that we have in you. Lord, thank you that we can share in this Sunday together in who you are, who you've created and called each of us to be. So help us, Lord, to have the faith as the children have, that this morning as we hear your word and we hear your call, we can faithfully respond. So set me aside, Lord, that it's your voice and your spirit that is heard and felt this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. A few years ago, some first graders in Duluth, Minnesota, gave advice to upcoming kindergartners as they were preparing for school. Here are a few things that they said. To make friends, be nice and don't push them down. <laughs> Food is not all candy and not all vegetables. Raise your hand, no talking while others are talking. And don't be mean to your teacher because you might go to the principal's office and they might send you home. I wondered if that kid actually got sent home or not. So, We spent a lot of time preparing and worrying about our kids attending kindergarten. And sometimes there are a few tears that are also shed. But after a year of attending and with the tireless nurturing and guidance of the teachers, it seems we're all in a better place this time of year. Today as a church, we've been working hard for the past several years in building a new building and creating facilities that engage our community, and we are in a better place. But we are in a time to solidify that foundation as we seek to strengthen community at Emmanuel and in our neighborhood. There are many who've been working tirelessly for years, sharing, supporting, informing, communicating, leadership meetings, information meetings, prayers that have been delivered. Nothing worth doing is easy. It's through all these challenges that we have had and the work to connect what God is doing. Two things have really contributed and offered strength to me in this time together. It's you, the folks in support of the church, community, and the kindergarten. The excitement, the joy, the willingness during these two tough years that we've had to share in your generosity and to offer your encouragement along the way. The other is one that sustains me by the inspiration of God's word. Today we look at the Old Testament and there's a small book in the Old Testament that offers a vision that one had about not just building something, but creating community for those who have gone away and what might happen as a result. It seems that this book speaks to us at this very time. The book I'm talking about is the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, 13 chapters long and written over 25 hundred years ago but its message 
I think speaks to each of us today. In it are some key principles on how we can strengthen community and how we as a church and a kindergarten together can seek to create a wonderful atmosphere together. Two of those principles are mentioned here in chapter one and I wanna focus on them today. So I invite you, whether you're here in person or you're watching online, to take your Bibles or take your devices or there's little red pew Bibles in front if you'd like to follow along as we explore the first chapter of Nehemiah together, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Let us turn to God's word as we hear it this morning. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah, in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, while I was in Susa, the capital, one of my brothers, Hanani, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them about the Jews that had survived, those who had escaped captivity, and about Jerusalem. They replied, the survivors there in the province who escaped captivity are in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to the prayer of your servant, that I now pray before you day and night for your servants the people of Israel, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you, both I and my family have sinned. We have offended you deeply, failing to keep the commandments, the statutes, and the ordinances that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember this word that you commanded your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the people. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, Though you are outcast, though your outcasts are under the farthest skies, I will gather them and bring them back to the place at which I have chosen to establish my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. At this time, I was cupbearer of the king. This is the word of the Lord for us, the people of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Nehemiah has some great stories to help us as we seek to strengthen community. I've shared some of these main principles before, but today's application is a little different. And to help us understand it, it's helpful to understand the background of Nehemiah. This book of Nehemiah begins in a far different place than our story today. In Nehemiah's day, the Jews were on the verge of extinction. Babylon had been wiped out almost all of Judah. They destroyed, destroyed Jerusalem. The palace was in ruins. The wall was falling down. The gates had been, had been burned. Worst of all, the people had been carted off a thousand miles to a foreign land that they knew nothing about. Little hope of return. 
It almost sounds like the setting of a movie and its actual reality. Nehemiah was one of these exiles who lived in Babylon. He was a cupbearer for the king. Anybody ever been a cupbearer for a king? No thanks, Mike. I agree. Do you know what a cupbearer is? It's the one who tastes the wine before the king drinks it in case the king's been poisoned. So you know what would happen to the cupbearer if the cupbearer is poisoned. Chapter 1 picks up on the story. I invite you to follow along in your scripture this morning as we look at verses 1 and 2. In the month of Chislev in the 20th year, while I was in Susa, the capital, one of my brothers came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them about the Jews that had survived. Here's the first key principle for us this morning. I try to keep it at the forefront. It's right there in verse 2. It says that Nehemiah asked them about the Jews that survived. Now these survivors were called a remnant. A remnant is one that's left of a community after it has undergone a catastrophe. So the first principle that Nehemiah offers us as we seek to strengthen community is one that's the number one concern are people. The number one concern are people. When messengers came to Nehemiah, he didn't ask about the food. He didn't ask about the palace. He didn't ask about the temple. He didn't ask about his family's farmland. His question, his concern were the people. He wanted to know if the remnant had survived. And the answer he received was not very good. Verse 3 helps us see it this morning. They said to me, the survivors there in the province who escaped captivity are in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem has been broken down and its gates have been destroyed by fire. If we're looking for proof that for Nehemiah the people were a priority, we see it again in verse 4. What did he do? When he heard this news, he sat down and wept. He mourned and wept for days. The people who survived in Jerusalem were a thousand miles away. And what happened to Nehemiah's heart? It broke. He probably didn't know most of these people who survived, but his heart broke for them. What does your heart break for today? Who does your heart break for today? Is it people a thousand miles away? Or maybe it's even those who live next door in our neighborhood, one mile, ten miles away. Everything we do, whether it's Sunday morning or Wednesday night, whether it's kindergarten classes or after school, whether it's youth or room in the end, and we could go on and on, it's all got to come from that place where people are a priority, where it's relationships that matter the most. I need to remind myself about this. It's not about numbers. It's not about the beauty of a building or the perfection of a young person's drawing. It's not about a bigger or a better space. It's first about the people. Sure, the people who are here, but also the people we've never met yet. The news from Jerusalem must have been difficult to hear for Nehemiah. It broke his heart. Most people might have thought there's nothing they could do. They're so far away, how can I help them? What would we do as the church is 
organize and talk about it and come up with a team and see what our possibilities would be. We would get ourselves busy, but not Nehemiah. Sure, he could have gotten busy too in those same ways, but ultimately, what did Nehemiah choose to do? And to pray. He chose to pray. That's our second key principle as we seek to strengthen community. To be people that need to be our first priority. But it's prayer that must be our first action. People are priority, but prayer is our first action. Anybody know what the Boy Scout motto is? Be prepared. There's some scouts out there. Upon hearing the scout motto, someone asked scouting founder Robert Baden-Powell the inevitable question. Be prepared for what? Why, for any old thing, Baden-Powell said. <clears throat> I found this be prepared to be a helpful motto ever since being a scout myself. And the responsibilities that it takes, that just a little preparation goes a long ways for any task or responsibility that you have and discerning the future for our church and seeking how we can be in ministry with our community together and this campaign that is before us, prayer has been central. Some of you might know that there has been a prayer team that has been working behind the scenes. You don't see all what they do, but they've been praying weekly for the cabinet that is leading us. They have been seeking to prepare us for a prayer walk this afternoon here in this very sanctuary. And they have been praying diligently as somebody is praying now for our worship service this morning as we share together. So I wanted to borrow this motto and I wanted to adjust it just a little bit. Instead of be prepared, I want to call it to be pre-prayed. You get it? You might have to see it in writing. That to be prepared, I invite us to be pre-prayed. In other words, to undergird all we seek to do first in prayer. To be prepared, we be prepared. Prayer was the first action for Nehemiah. Maybe he didn't have many other choices of things to do, but he made it a priority, and it, he knew what it was important. Nehemiah didn't have any corporate sponsors, got no image or likenesses in order to gain money or fame, no deep pockets, no blueprints. The fact is, his problem was worse than not even having support. For there are those who are trying to shut him down, those who are trying to prevent him from doing the very thing that he wanted to do and rebuild Jerusalem. These people had lobbied the king of Persia, and the king passed an edict that couldn't be removed. He didn't change his mind. So Nehemiah had a choice, to do nothing or go to God. To do nothing or go to God. Have you ever faced that choice before? You didn't know what to do. You didn't know where to turn. You didn't know how to respond. So we do nothing or we go to God. And that's exactly what Nehemiah did. But if we as a community, if we as a church and a school together do nothing, then what's the result that we receive nothing what kind of community would we be establishing and who would we miss out on connecting to if we do nothing this was a God-sized problem for Nehemiah that needed a God-sized solution 
And the answer only comes one way, through prayer, through prayer. In the first chapter of Nehemiah, it says that for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord God, O Lord God, and his prayer continues as he recorded in his journal until he received an answer. Nehemiah's commitment to prayer was not just an afterthought. It wasn't just something that he did occasionally or after work or even before school. He prayed constantly with fervency that comes with clarity. Nehemiah was clear about this. Nothing will happen unless God does it. Nothing will happen unless God does it. I'm convinced that God is opening a door for us as a church and a school together to step through to strengthen community, not just for us, but in our neighborhood. We've lent, we spent a long time in communication and education, and now we move to this time of challenge and commitment. The greatest challenge, though, is for us to be pre-prayed, whether that is for the future faithfulness of the church or the education of our young people. God is preparing us to strengthen our community that will lead to vitality, growth, and the transformation of lives. It's not all candy. It's not all vegetables. May people be our priority, and may prayer be our first actions in strengthening the community around us and within us. The name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit.